My name is Mark Solomon, and this is Never Was. A youth pastor. When I was a teenager, I was just there for most of the time, you know, just lonely, utterly without any idea as to what the future might look like. Also, well, blindly rushing towards it as fast as I could. If, if I could go back, if I could go back in time and just kind of gently nudge, gently smack that kid around, a little tap. Get him to slow down. Buckle his seatbelt. Maybe wear a helmet. Probably wear a helmet. Imagine. Imagine what I could have avoided. Oh, sad face. All the different ways to trip and fall and find yourself engulfed in social immolation. You know? In teen years. Brutal. Some of them you could see coming. And some of them just sort of snuck up on you. And, of course, some of them were sort of lightly laid on you like a warm blanket. Ladies and gentlemen, please come with me as we visit the phenomenon known as youth group. A well-meaning parent decides you're going to try youth group. Under the pretense of you finding a few good kids, you know, a few good kids to make friends with back at school. So, this well-meaning parent essentially kicks you out of the nest-like passenger seat of their car, says, get in there and have some fun, and peels off into the night, doing all the crazy fun stuff parents do. My guess, go home, have a glass of wine, and finally watch some TV in peace, damn it! You won't admit it, but, but all day long, you've been thinking, hey man, maybe this will be fun. Then you get inside, and, and it's like that, that sound effect from the movies and TV with the record scratching audibly screeches across your skull you know every kid in the room looks at you stop what they're doing look at you you can't leave you can't turn around what are you going to do you're just stuck there it's like high school lunch and you've just dropped your tacos all over the front of your pants you're in this giant room you've never been in before. It smells like socks. Everyone looks like a stranger because pretty much everyone is a stranger. Except, of course, the people that you kind of know from school. You don't know them, but you kind of do. So now you're sort of forced into this awkward social thing where no one really knows what to do with it. And then it's like, oh my God, there's that girl. And nope, nope, looks like she won't be talking to me here either. You know, it's just, it's, it's that over and over. It's like high school intensified, you know. Why is everyone looking at me? Are they looking at me? I hope they're not looking at me because my face feels hot and they're all going to see it. It's like, be still, okay? Calm down. Rest assured. (laughs) They're looking at you, all right? They are looking at you. Some of them, you know, some of them are just trying to see who came through the door, okay? It's really not that big of a deal. But some of them, they're looking you over and they're making some decisions. Anyway, two lifetimes have passed now. You're standing there and... and, uh, you can't even remember what your mom looks like, right? And then things somehow get worse. 
an adult wearing ridiculous I am an adult clothes comes striding up to you like, oh, hello, everybody. And you're like, oh, my God, no. You know, they're going to introduce me to the room. They're going to introduce me to the room. You know, maybe, maybe that happens. Or maybe you just get the weird pastor knuckles thing. Do you know this? It's like, it's like a phenomenon, pastor knuckles. You get the, the calm, you know, somewhat melodramatic voice. Like, hey, guy, how you doing? How you doing there, kiddo? What's your name? You know, nice to meet you. Come on in. Please, go on over to the refreshments, you know, make sure and spill some punch on yourself. Anyway, you know, there's this guy talking to you so strangely, like like you're a new puppy. And then he does this weird, like, outward extension of his arm, like fully extended. And then just with his knuckles, he kind of lightly massages your collarbone. It's pastor knuckles. It's very strange. I think it's exclusive to the uh, youth group paradigm. Anyway, it feels like you're going to die, okay? And then suddenly everything changes. A younger adult, occasionally a girl, but usually a guy, just comes striding through your nightmare, right? They skip past Mr. Adult Clothing Adult and, you know, sweet, fancy Moses, this guy's got a tattoo. They walk up to you and just kind of usher you away. They don't say a bunch of stupid shit. They don't introduce you to a room full of strangers. Sometimes they actually let you just sort of chill off to the side, you know, blessedly not making a show of you being the new guy. Also, though, they never exclude you from what's going on. It's like you got this new, you know, big brother who, as it turns out, all the kids know um, and, and you're his best buddy now. If that's ever happened to you, my dear friends, you have met a youth pastor. Ah, yes, the youth pastor. Sacred gatekeeper of the church to the young age. The John Hugheses of the church, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we won't be super tight buds, but your legacy will certainly live on with me. If you are one of the fortunate ones, or rather the truly blessed, your youth pastor was a mix of all the good Cusacks. Lloyd Dobler, Martin Blank, and Rob Gordon all at one time. I want you to think about that for a second. You know, many of us have known that guy or girl. As you'll see in tonight's episode, they've also, you know, they've been indirectly responsible for a lot of life-changing moments. Insecure and hopeful, funny but sincere, inclusive but tastefully exclusive, as in, you know, this guy won't let any assholes in while he's at the gate. Uh, Maybe even just slightly rebellious. You know, the almost adult you know who gets a ton of shit for doing or saying what he believes is right and what he thinks is the best way to reach the kids. Or even more, who knows when something really isn't that big of a deal, who can minimize what seems like a mountain in your life. That person, I am aware there are plenty of stories of the other kind of youth pastor, but not tonight, okay? Tonight, we're saving the life-ruining, pervy youth pastor for a different show. We're on a happier path, okay? Now, this episode has been kind of tough. It's a lot to juggle. <laughs> I tried to include as much as I could, you know, without boring everybody, um, but also simultaneously trying to include as many letters as possible. But there's just no way to fit them all. Thank you to all who contributed. I, I sincerely mean it. Thank you to all who contributed. And if, if I missed you, um, if you don't hear your, your letter in here, just keep writing. It'll make its way to the top eventually. I asked you guys for... Uh, the movie, book, song, band, etc., that changed your life, and uh, we got a lot, got a lot of, re- of letters, but a little of everything. But most of them, I-, I could say, you know, were 
were predominantly music in nature, music related in nature, from shows to bands to songs or whatever. But one thing that consistently came up, the people who reached out to those on the margins and who brought them into the fold, is often, often through the vehicle of music, but various other forms. It's just, it was too dominant of a theme to not at least make note of that uh, the person who played you your, your that first cool record or, or whatever, that, that person is oftentimes forgotten. So at least just briefly, we're going to acknowledge, you know, the big brothers and the youth pastors of our lives who actually brought us some cool stuff. You know, the men and women out there performing this underappreciated job. Thank you. You freaking rule. Goatees and hoop earrings and all that. All right, let's do this. But first... Dip out for a minute. Listen, just let this happen, okay? It turns out we've now got a bona fide web store. Look at us, all fancy. My hope is to eventually provide some original art inspired by some of the lyrics I've written over the years and some images associated with those lyrics and some other stuff, you know, later. Uh, for now, I kind of have a surprise, okay? Also, oh, surprise to most. The original version of my book, Simplicity, the version I prefer, the Skeleton Key Publishing version, is now available on my web store. Uh, you can receive a physical copy that you hold in your hands. You can smell and touch and flip through and all that stuff. You can uh, you can receive a physical copy of my book by simply clicking on the store link at ever- ineverwas.com and follow the logical path. You've done this before. ineverwas.com just click away. Speaking of which, John Spencer, John Spencer of Pasadena, whom we will hear from in a moment. Attention, John Spencer. Ladies and gents, John found the web store all on his own before we even announced it. He is way ahead of the game, but alas, we are not. Sorry, John. Your book is on its way. And finally, if you dig this show and you want to hear more of them, um, wouldn't you consider helping us out? I'm asking. Not just for me. For all the people who helped put this together. Look, the show's always going to be free. But if you want to help, you can go to the website. Go to INeverWas.com. Click on the Patreon link on any episode page, including this one. And you will find a way to support the show. Toss us a buck or two a month. It's really not huge. and I'm not asking for much. I don't want you to do anything weird. If you, if you feel like doing it, great. We promise we will spend it wisely, starting with huge yachts and private jets and face tattoos and gold fronts. I might be joking. Uh, Actually, we need some gear, and uh, we need to take care of the people that make this show happen. So, if you can help, awesome. We want it to sound great for you. We want to hang out with you and not bum out your ears. Also, a little breathing room in order to get these shows out would not, that would not hurt. Just click on the digital tip jar, a.k.a. the Patreon page, and show us some love. Show us some love.
John Spencer writes, here's a few for me, a few being things that changed his life forever. Okay. Band, The Crucified, of course. Oh, John. I know you know the feeling of hearing something for the very first time, and it being like the skies opening up and an alien mothership broadcasting a message into your brain. 1990, freshman year in North Carolina. My buddy says, check this out, and cranks Hellcorn. Holy crap. I've been listening to a lot of underground punk and metal of the day, and you guys were the perfect crossover between the two. Well, thank you. Not only that, but the lyrics were God himself speaking to me. Okay. <laughs> Hold on there. Just, just let's reel it in a little. Okay. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. I sincerely hope that God never used uh, Mosh into the circling pit when he was talking to you um, audibly. So let's, it just makes me uncomfortable, man. That's all. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, telling me that I didn't need to rebel against him, uh, but that he was the true rebellion against the world working to bring me down. I owe my salvation to Christ, but he used you guys to blast that message in like fucking lightning. Okay, I've, I don't know that I've ever heard things put that way, but uh, thank you, man. You know, that, that makes me feel very warmly. Um, yeah, wow. Okay, it breaks my heart to hear about the disconnect back in the day between you and bandmates and managers and record labels. Tragic stories, man. Rest assured that what you did, even as a clueless asshole youth... <laughs> Literally save dudes like me from the fires of hell and a lame sheep-like understanding of Christianity as well. So what if you didn't sell a million records? What you did and are still doing will reverberate for eternity. Know it and be humbled. You can't get a better blessing than that. You know what, man? You are correct. And I am humbled. Thank you very much. Kind of wish it meant paying my mortgage was a little easier. But uh, you know what? I wouldn't trade it for, uh, for anything. Oh, sorry, more. Uh, I'm over 200 words. Sorry, bro. But one more that you'll appreciate. The concert that changed my life was David Eugene Edwards of 16 Horsepower back in 94. You know him as Woven Hand now. He was truly possessed on stage. He blew me and a few hundred clueless souls away with his out-of-body passion. Reading his lyrics after seeing him play was like a revelation. A further progression in hearing the voice of God that began with crucified lyrics. <laughs> okay, again, man. That stuff makes me nervous. Uh, if you haven't checked out 16 Horsepower yet, I recommend them all, uh, but especially the Secret South album. I booked David to play a solo show and talk at my bookstore for his lyrics book release a couple years back. Got to hang with him for a couple hours. Good time, bro. Good times. He's a weird dude, like we all are, but loves the Lord. Glad you're turned on to him. All right, I'll shut up. Keep on keeping on. I met you once when I booked Staves Acre at a little coffee shop in Santa Monica 10 years ago. You were kind of a dick. <laughs> but I know now that was a low point in your life. I never thought anything of it. A brother's a brother. Hope to say what's up to you in person again someday. All right. I don't know why I was such a dick 10 years ago. I mean, I feel like I was, in pretty, I was doing pretty good. Um, I don't know. Sorry, man. Sorry. I lose track. I've been a jerk to a lot of people. Uh, I do think it's, it's, uh, you know, David Eugene Edwards. There's that name again. Okay. If you haven't heard his stuff, you need to fix that. Um, definitely woven hand 
that that last album. Wow. Uh, as for me being a dick, I'm glad to hear it wasn't permanent or a permanent turnoff at least. Uh, thanks for listening, man, and supporting. Oh yeah, uh, this is the John Spencer who discovered the store before we announced it. <laughs> we have a web store up. You can you can get my book on there, and you'll be able to get some other stuff later. But he found it before we announced it, and he's probably been like checking the mail every day. Like, I knew it. Mark really is a dick. Uh, we're sending it right away, dude. We're on it. say the one that stands out would be Deftones, Quicksand, and Snapcase in Kansas City. That's a pretty good show. Uh, that's a pretty good show. First of all, Deftones never fail. The progression of that band from Adrenaline to Koi no Yokin was amazing. They're not the best live band, uh, but they are intense and give their all. Quicksand, holy cow, one of my favorites, one of my all-time favorites. They reunited for a quick minute and toured. I was lucky enough to see them Snapcase, that snare drum sounds the same live, and they broke several SGs during the set. It was incredible. Well, Tyler, I've mentioned Deftones before, uh, and I'm but I'm always happy to hear about them. Honestly, they still make great music. I cannot believe that I missed a chance of seeing Quicksand live again. I mean, that's just, I missed that whole tour. I mentioned it before, but seeing both of those bands at the first Warp Tour was one of those like, oh yeah, well, I got to see blah, 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 blah moments, you know. Mid 90s, everyone was still in the bands, everyone healthy, ferocious, you know. By the way, uh, Deftones did not uh, suck live at all. They were they were good then, you know. That was pre Chi Chang's tragedy, but uh, both bands were phenomenal, you know. Time is brutal though, man, and nothing lasts forever. Here's a random side note I was invited by Danny Hill, who used to manage Staves Acre and uh, road manage POD for many years. Uh, to perform at one of the Chi Chang benefits after the accident, but before he passed, okay? And like a bunch of people would come and get together and perform songs or whatever. And at a time, me and Marco from POD were kind of talking about doing like a project. So we had already been in conversation and we just ended up being able to practice a couple times. So I was going to go and sing this song, uh, RX Queen, 
at the at the benefit with uh, with Marco and uh, with the old Papa Roach drummer uh, Dave Buckner. And man, I was nervous. I was I was terrified because it's just like I'm fish out of water. It's not like we've been playing shows. These dudes are like full on legit, and I'm just Mark. And you know, I get to the show, and there's like it's packed. I mean, all those Chi Chang benefits were were super super popular. Um, and I get there and like, you know, this is going to sound weird, but like nobody knows me. Okay. Like it's one thing to play your own show cause people know you and they're like waiting for you at the door. But like I got this place, nobody knew me, you know, I barely got in really. <laughs> Danny had to come and walk me in. So I'm like in there and I'm, I'm supposed to, to sing this RX queen and, um, I'm so nervous. I'm for sure going to forget it. And this is like, you know, almost like a tribute show and I don't want to screw it up. And I'm like standing there waiting in the wings and there's people just keep coming on and off the stage um, performing at different points. And the thing is, I don't know anyone and I don't, I don't feel confident. So it's not like I'm just going to start shoving. So no one will let me near the stage. And and I'm supposed to, my, like, Marco's up there now, and Dave's up there, and these dudes are ready to start playing. And then Marco starts the song, because it's like, there's no time. So uh, he's, like, looking around for me, and I'm, like, off in the, you know, two or three people away, like, popping my head up here and there. Ah, I'm over here, you know. And he sees me, and he just mouths the words, the word jump. So uh, I jumped onto the sidewall. Um, this was at the... At slide bar in in uh, orange, I think. I, I jump on the side, or maybe Fullerton. I jump on the sidewall and I stuck my butt in some random kid's face, and I just leapt over a couple people. And security is like shouting in the background and taking a swing to grab me or whatever. And I just grabbed the mic and started singing just in time. And the crowd, who had no idea who I was, it was it. There was like this brief moment where I'm like, oh my gosh, they're gonna be like somebody get this guy but then they seemed to think it was like part of the show and it and they loved it and it went well um here's the weirdest part though after the after the show like the awkward time spent after you've been a guest at something like that is is very very weird okay like no one knows you uh people will like nervously walk up and say good job um, or they just won't talk to you at all you know and so, like, I'm, I stood there, like, I, I had a drink and just hanging out, just waiting to meet up with somebody, I, but there was no one. So I just, like, had my drink and split. It was, I don't know. It's all great if you're there with Pete, with friends, but, you know, uh, on your own, just not really my scene. But, yeah, there's my Deftone story. Take out the story.
Galinas. I hope I said that right, buddy. Michael Galinas? Galinas. I don't know. Says, Mark, growing up as a Christian and being a child in the late 80s to early 90s, my music influence came from legendary Carmen, Satan Bite the Dust. All right, that was for you, 90s recovery page. That's for you. Uh, Newsboys and the hardest band at the time, Striper. Hmm. Uh, Once DC Talk came out with the Jesus Freak, I thought I was listening to the heaviest music I've ever heard and loved it. (laughs) Dude, yikes. However, fast forward to the mid-90s and entering high school, I came across a fellow teenager named Pete who was a straight-edge kid who came to lunch... uh, to the lunchtime Bible studies. I was intrigued by this by his white shirt, spiked hair, and X's on his hands. One day, I invited him over to my house to listen to my music and ready to impress him with my new Audio Adrenaline's Bloom album. Dude, <laughs> you're killing me right now. When instead, he pulled out a weird-looking green and black cassette tape. Uh, once he pressed play, my mind was blown away from the heavy drums, the chugging of guitars, and the intense screaming vocals. That day, Six Feet Deep changed my life. DC Talk and everyone else on KLRD Air One Radio became a joke. Staves for life. P.S. Interviewed Dirk. Michael. Or Micah. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Here's a note to all you future parents of high schoolers. I'm just putting this out there because I'm not sure what happens. But I think maybe you get caught up raising the kids. You know, you're tired and you forget. Or something. Stop arming your kids with wet noodles before they go to battle. Holy smokes. It was mean streets for a kid walking into a locker room blasting audio adrenaline. That's all I'm saying. You know, I don't know how you do it. Uh, but maybe maybe you ask Sam West or Jim Chaffin, man. Their kids all made it through junior high and high school as intelligent and well-balanced kids without... You know, without getting their asses kicked. They got strong minds. They're going places. Talk to them. But let's, the Carmen tape, man. (laughs) Oh, good grief. Okay, Six Feet Deep is easily one of the more underrated bands uh, from the 90s. I I remember playing with them, and they were always kind of like mysterious. I think think we're going to have to try to find a way to get them on that show. What do you think about that, folks? I think that's probably a good idea. Uh, and as tempting as it is to put a Carmen song on here right now, I think, I think this is better.
Corsi. Matt Corsi. Uh, let's see here. Looks like he's got three movies. Okay. The Jack Bull, a pay-in. I don't know that word, Matt. The Justice, Integrity, and the Power of One, written by Cusack's dad. I have never seen that, but I will make it a priority. I know it's a Western, but that's pretty much all I know about it. Gross Point Blank. Loss of purpose, loss of conscience, loss of feeling, loss of direction, loss of drive, loss of all fucks, but not loss of will, hope, or heart. Man, that is one of my favorite movies ever. I love that movie. What is it with John Cusack? War Incorporated. Uh, starring John Cusack. Joan Cusack and I think Hilary Duff. Yes, actually. And Marissa Tomei, I think, was in that movie. And Ben Kingsley. Uh, Cusack calls this a sequel to Gross Point Blank. Which, I guess I could, I could see that. Many of the same themes torn from the personal and writ large across the canvas of international politics and Western culture. The odd thing is, if I were to name the best actors on film these days, I wouldn't necessarily mention Cusack, but I don't think anyone has more incisively grasped the philosophical and moral anima that simultaneously drives and devours people of a certain age and experience. Generation X, for lack of a better qualifier. The dude selects scripts and chooses to make movies that have meat in concept and in subtext. Even a lot of his sillier, earlier films have an undercurrent of gravitas or a winking, nudging message. I think he's the closest thing we have to an HST, which I'm assuming is Hunter S. Thompson these days, uh, using a seemingly random melange of art and absurdity to tell us truths about ourselves. Dang! Nicely put, Matt Corsi. Uh, Ladies and gents... There he is, John Cusack, you know. Maybe he is the Hunter S. Thompson. I don't know. He's definitely Generation X all the way. I meant it when I said it earlier, man. You would score if you had a youth pastor that was uh, Lloyd Dobler, Martin Blank, and what did I say? Ah, Rob Gordon, all mixed together. He'd be the perfect youth pastor. Unstoppable. Uh, I'll tell you uh, something else, you know. A lot of this is spot on. Even them silly flicks that you mentioned, Matt. You know, better off dead. There's like legit so social commentary happening on there. Plus, there's this. Have you met Monique? Right. Now, in honor of our special guest, I've created dinner mondu. First, we have French fries and French dressing. And French bread. <laughs> and to drink, ta-da, <laughs> Peru. <laughs> Jenny Meyer, you really do go to the outer limits to make an impression. <laughs> well, uh, Monique, enjoying your stay in our town? I say, are you enjoying your stay in our town? doesn't speak English, Dad. Of course she does. Are you enjoying your stay? It's no good, Al. She don't speak a word. Wait a minute. I thought these foreign exchange students had to speak some amount of English to come over here. Well, as we're discovering around our household, you don't need words to speak the uh, international language. <laughs> right, Ricky? <laughs> uh, 
the international language. <laughs> you know. Love. The language of love. I think Monique and our little Ricky have a regular um, cross-continental romance brewing here. Uh, him? Mm-hmm. And her? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Pardon-moi, où sont les toilettes? What does that mean? S'il vous plaît. I think she wants to use a bathroom. It's down the hall, second door, on the left, Monique. <laughs> Jennifer, <clears throat> this is fabulous liqueur. Reminds me of the moonshine Ricky's dead pappy used to make. <laughs> God bless him. Mrs. Smith, no, wait. Gee, I'm real sorry your mom blew up, Ricky. Doctor said she'll be okay. I guess she just won't be able to eat any spicy foods for a while. <laughs> Jason Ariano. Let's see. Jason writes, uh, let's see. Found some music at a bookstore under duress. Boys, can I help you? <laughs> I know that one. You know. Yeah, we're here for an outreach. What are they doing in here? Okay, sorry. Uh, he went with a couple older friends, or a couple other friends to uh, our first Crucified show. Or to, okay. He went with a couple friends to a Crucified show at Club Post Nuclear. I remember... All of those shows very vividly. Outnumbered, unashamed, focused, and the crucified. From the first band to the end of the show, stopped by the cops because some skinheads started fighting. Yeah, where have we heard that before? It was one of the first times in my life I felt like I fit in and was not considered a weirdo or a freak. I also remember that show being crazy, a dude jumping off a pole. I was 15 or 16 and just thought, this is awesome. Okay, really quickly, that was Bo. He jumped off. Well, first of all, Bo jumped off a roof. It might have been Bo or one of them other crazy Sid's tattoo parlor guys that jumped off the uh, telephone pole. But it was that was a crazy show. I mean, no doubt about it. Completely sold out. The walls were all sweaty. And uh, it was uh, I, Jeff Ballou coined the phrase Ed's Night Out off of that show. Ed's Night Out because it was outnumbered. Uh, unashamed, focused, and the crucified. That's uh, pretty legit. Anyway, yeah, that's, that was good. Uh, see, okay, back to the letter. What was crazy after all this, the church I went to found out about the music we were listening to and flipped out. So one night, I get a phone call from a church board member, and they wanted us to come to their meeting. I didn't know what a board member was. I still am not sure what a board member is, Jason. So when I get there, all my other friends are there too. And we're just going, what the hell's going on? So we get called into this boardroom with some guys who were older and dirt wearing suits that were from the 1800s. Ugh. I don't like where this is going. Also in the room, the youth leader who would sometimes take us to these shows. Uh, they first informed us this youth leader was being kicked out of the church. Then they told us that we needed to stop listening to the music we were listening to, cut our hair, stop wearing jeans and t-shirts to church, and to start wearing slacks and ties. They explained to us how the new Christian music we were listening to was the same as the secular stuff. It was crazy. I remember leaving that meeting with my friends saying, sorry for the language, fuck the church. I never wanted to go back again. I felt like I was not accepted. I mean, listen... 
How many times have I heard this, man? How many times have we heard this before? That guy who took you to that show, I mean, <laughs> we're going to fire him, right? And nothing even happened. I and mean, based off of this letter, it's not like there was like some huge scandal. It's just like we heard you were going and getting crazy, jumping off of buildings. So you're done. Like, no. Does that ever even work, man? You have to wear a suit and tie. <laughs> really? Really? When does that work? Show me a time when that worked ever. Oh, okay. A little after this family moved from up, a little after this, my family moved from Upland to Hacienda Heights. I've moved 17 times. Then I was at a new high school in the middle of my sophomore year in high school and went through hell and became depressed and suicidal. Blamed it all on God. Jump ahead. My parents could tell I was not happy. The churches we were going to were just dead, unloving, judgmental hypocrites, and I just did not feel accepted. So we started going to Calvary Chapel and Diamond Bar. This church threw me off. There were people dressed more punk rock, hardcore, and metal than me. But they were worshiping God. They were people who were nice. They did not judge me for my outward appearance. So to try to do a cliff note version, I had a relationship with the Lord through that. Now to jump 19 years later, I've been married four and a half years. We have a two-year-old daughter and another daughter to be born in three weeks. Congratulations, man. Hope all is well. I, I, I'm thinking maybe the baby was born since you wrote this. Uh, now, per the letter, obviously some things have changed in your life, I'm sure. Um, this is the thing. It's not, you're, you're not alone, okay? <laughs> there are many others. There are many others who've had the same story. This is, even that's not news, you know? Uh, I actually think it's good. I mean, it's frustrating and it makes me angry, but it's also good. It's the old saying, you know, churches are made up of people and, you know, people can be a drag. But I say it's good because it sounds like at least some form of crucible was was created here and you've got your relationship with God again and you know what actually matters. And it would be easy for me to sit here and be like, but what about all those people who don't come back? Like, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily believe in that. Okay. I do think it becomes much more difficult for those people. <laughs> like, I don't think a person's actions are going to keep me from going to heaven if God wants me to go to heaven, but they sure are going to make my life tougher. You know, maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's just, it's just what I believe. You know, I believe that I was chosen and elect and so were you. So were you, Jason. And, you know, God was never going to let you be snatched out of his hand, but damn it. I just will never understand this mentality. It's like, I mean, didn't you ever watch any movies, man? <laughs> you never saw Footloose, you idiots? I mean, seriously, I just... Uh, goodness gracious. You know, I'd encourage you, Jason, and anyone else listening to this, think about this the next time you're at church or you're involved in something. Encourage you, open your eyes to anyone else who might be marginalized by that very church you're going to. See if you can't love them. Love them where they are. I think that's where eternal blessings lie. I've had people telling me, even in this show, that this gnat that I recorded was eternal. Dude, this is eternal right here. Loving the people on the outside who are not on the inside. You know? Oh, man, I'm hot right now. <laughs> Okay, we're going to do one, one quickie, one last quick one, but it's certainly not the least. Kelly Turney. Kelly Turney writes, it was 1987 and I was spending the week with my cool uncle who owned his own semi-truck. 
was on the road cruising state to state. It was awesome, but there was one problem. He loved sticks, rush, journey, REO Speedwagon, ouch, and so on. What's the problem, you ask? Well, in a truck for days, or well, in a truck for days, listening to these bands over and over, my 12-year-old mind was going to explode. <laughs> okay, I'm with you. I mean, I, I kind of like Journey. Sorry. Uh, while at a truck stop somewhere on the East Coast, I was begging my uncle for anything else. Johnny Cash, ACDC, anything. And then this tall, skinny guy in jeans, a black t-shirt, and long, bushy hair says, I hear your problem, and hands me a tape. I was like, thanks. He hopped in his van. I climbed back in the truck and popped the tape in. What was it, never was this? I've already read this, so I know. Any guesses? Let me give it to you again. Tall, skinny guy in jeans with a black t-shirt and long, bushy hair. This isn't a live radio show, so obviously you can't call in. The tape was Rocket to Russia. He didn't know it at the time, but this dude, Kelly Turney, uh, didn't know it at the time, but this dude who handed him this cassette of Rocket to Russia, it was none other than Joey Ramone, man. (laughs) He continues, my life changed instantly forever. I'll bet it did. Freaking Joey Ramone gave you his new tape. What the heck, man? A few days later, back in town and in, in, back in small town, Nebraska, I wore that tape out. It took me a long time till I found some vinyl of the Ramones, but that's how I began the search for punk rock music. Changed my life. Taught me not to go with the flow and to be my own guy. Through the search for music, my life was transformed. I met Christ. I became a pastor. I got into bands like D.A., Adam Again, Lost Dogs, Swirling Eddies, The Huntingtons, of course. MXPX and Staves Acre. Wow. And on and on as the list goes, story goes. <clears throat> My quest started with Rocket to Russia and the first song, Cretan Hop. Cheers and amen. Cheers to you, man. I'm so freaking jealous right now. I dare you to top that, people. Any of you. Come on. Literally thousands of shows I've played, okay? Tens of thousands of miles on the road. You know who I met out there? I met Fred Durst in a motel parking lot. I mean, come on. Well, since Kelly has even, uh, he started some bands of his own. He's currently in a band from Omaha called The Bricks. But yeah, Joey Ramone personally sent him on a punk rock mission. I got, I got nothing. I got nothing but jealousy. Amazing.
apologies to those who sent in letters and didn't get on the show. Seriously, I'm, I'm sorry. I wish I could put it on. Obviously, uh, there's only so much time. I want to state for the record that months ago, I tweeted that I'd be in Springfield, Illinois. If anyone out there wanted to sit down for a chat, as a result, uh, Jason Evans uh, hit me up and we got together. Uh, we went to a very noisy Starbucks and had ourselves a conversation. Suffice to say, uh, Jason's adoption of a little boy from China, who is now called Jackson, was a major life changer. Now, that would be a great story to tell you right now. But the problem being, that was the first interview I'd ever done with this setup and with this gear. And as a result, the audio just is not there. Now, I know some of you guys were really patient with us last week, and I appreciate that continuing because this is going to happen. We're working on getting new gear. I'll bring more on that later, but you know, we're doing what we can with what we can. But but to Jason Evans, who spent, you know, an evening hanging out with me and sharing his life, you know, he works in waste management. He's raising two beautiful daughters. He's got his his loving wife and his new baby son, Jackson. I just want to extend a, an official thank you for your time. And I'm sorry that I couldn't get our interview on the show you know uh just briefly you know jason is a giant okay he's a big dude thick accent and a beard uh he thought he was pretty much done wife two lovely daughters all done and uh then suddenly he found him found himself adopting a little boy you know he and his wife felt like it was what they what they were supposed to do god wanted them to do it so they did it they adopted a little boy from china uh, this little boy had never seen a man with a beard, so suffice to say it was some growing pains there. No big deal. Just the way everything worked out, his wife, you know, her specialty, you know, being hearts and the kid, you know, he's got a couple little physical issues, but, you know, it was major impact to me just in the encouragement to consider adoption in the future. So, I don't know. I just really wanted to mention that and let sh- let everybody know Jason Evans. If uh if I ever have a chance to get him on the show again, I will take it. What else here? Stephen Gilbert Mogwai live at Grenada in Dallas. Apparently they blew out the sound system and everyone still stayed, watched the entire encore. Um I would have loved to see that. <laughs> it reminds me of like in another another state of mind, you know. I don't know, something like, I just love that Like people are so into it, they just don't even really care about the stuff that people stress out about all leading up to the show. Anyway, that show made him want to make music and art and to write and generally be more creative, so good for you, man. Nick Risto saw Project 86 in, in 1998 in Salem, Oregon. Show blew his mind. Good. Tim West, who once sent a box of Stavesacre containing almost our entire catalog <laughs> to have us sign it. And the guys passed it all back and forth, got to me, and, uh, well, asked John Spencer. Same deal. It took me forever. But we eventually got it to him. He wrote to let us know that one summer he saw nine shows of ours. And at one of those shows, he met his wife. And I'd say that's a legitimate life changer. Jeremy DeGroote. Describe Mortals album Lucis. That was like their first album. It was so everyone was so blown away that this record was made. Uh, the one record that changed my life, both in terms of who I became and what I listened to. And how did he hear of him? You'll never guess. 
We had a youth pastor back in the day that came in with long hair and combat boots and took us to shows. He handed me this cassette in 92, 93, and from then on, I went on a ravenous hunt for any great music I could find. That record spoke to me in so many different ways, but really it was a gateway into music. I mean, dude, that's cool, man. There's another youth pastor right there that just dropped something epic on this guy's life, you know? Again, and again, and again, I hear about it. You know, sometimes a youth pastor has long hair and combat boots, sometimes a mohawk, sometimes tattoos and piercings, sometimes none of that. I'm convinced that while the appearance has often been a way for people to identify those of their own tribe, sure, it seems that what extends well beyond that is the impact on the kids given into these people's care. That's eternal shit right there. People talk about my record or this and that. Man, I would much rather have that impact on somebody's life. That's a human being that people can talk to. Quick side note. Many of you know that Jeff Ballou used to tour with Mortal, uh, as did Brian Gray of The Blamed, and our good friend Sally, although only briefly, I got that wrong. She wasn't in the band. She just played a couple shows with them. But did you also know they used to have this weird dude that played with them live that people called Chicken. He, Chicken, this guy, saved, as I remember, Tupperware containers of nail clippings, like clipped toenails and stuff, and one of scabs, and maybe one of rubber bands or Band-Aids. So how's that for rock and roll? I don't know. Rock and roll, you are a weird bird. Okay, I will pause there. For a moment to allow you to take a drink of cold water and think of something else before we continue. I want you to be realistic. have it ladies and gents did your email miss the cut well if that's the case i am truly sorry however now's your chance the next theme for all you aspiring writers or storytellers will be if you've left the church or the faith why oh yeah i told you we were gonna get dirty no judgments no outings I'm not going to call up a pastor and give him your address or anything weird. Just some conversation starters. If those conversation starters come by way of uh, a cat being thrown amongst the pigeons, then so be it. I say long overdue. 
So, what do you do? You write to the Twilight Zone at iNeverWas.com. That's the Twilight Zone at iNeverWas.com. Uh, tell me why you had to leave. If you can keep it under 200 words, that would be amazing. Do what you can. That's the Twilight Zone at iNeverWas.com. Uh, for the record, the songs you heard tonight were Wayfaring Stranger by 16 Horsepower, Tempest from Deftones, Purify by Six Feet Deep, and Cretan Hop by the Ramones. At the end, uh, If Ever Maria by Mortal from the first album Lucis sort of crept in. Uh, this was sort of my feeble attempt at erasing the mental image of a 20-something boy putting Tupperware containers of dead skin in his backpack. Yeah, that's right, I brought it back. Hello! And of course, a short quote from the John Cusack film, Better Off Dead. That was heard somewhere earlier. Any other songs you've heard on this show are from the self-titled debut album from my new group, White Lighter. You can find White Lighter on Northern Records. Go to northernrecords.com. Come on by. You'll find the uh, 12-inch copy of the album and a download code, easy as pie. This show is brought to you by you. Remember, if you'd like to contribute, please visit our Patreon page. Commit to a buck or two a month. No big deal. That would be incredible. Uh, This show was produced by Mr. Billy Power of UrbanAchieverShow.com or the Urban Achiever Podcast. You can find him on the web or on iTunes. Just do some looking. Uh, This episode of Never Was and any other episodes can be found at INeverWas.com or on iTunes, whichever is easier for you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sending in emails and joining in the conversation. I freaking appreciate that. Thank you for joining in. Thank you for taking part. I feel truly honored that you trust me with your stories. And until next time, rainbow out. Rainbow out.